0: in the verse 97. But we're we're at the equivalent of our letter M and um, out a theme.
1: Uh, I have noticed some things. I've been studying it and seeing other things that people have noticed. But uh, this is a, a wonderful portion of this psalm for our meditation tonight. David writes, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, because I've observed your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not turned aside from your ordinances, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. So when you look for a theme uh,
0: in a passage of scripture,
1: sometimes it is repeated uh, words, the same word, sometimes a repeated idea. Um, As you go through these verses, I don't know if you noticed any words that are repeated or repeated emphasis. Of course, we have as a theme of the psalm, the word of God. Um, But in addition to the word of God, remember Psalm 119 is a psalm filled with prayer. Because the psalmist is talking to God about his word. If you remember that in this section... Uh, You realize as he's using pronouns, he's directly addressing God as he talks about God's law. Oh, how I love your law, your commandments, verse 98. Your testimonies are my meditation. I've observed your precepts. And so there's that element of he's praying about God's word back to God and telling God um, what he loves, what he values. What his experience is because of God's word? Anything else that you would see as a theme in this section? This might be the first time you've looked at this in a while. Say, that's not fair, Pastor. You've been looking at it before I did. And I have. But that doesn't mean you can't see something that I didn't. We all have the ability to
0: observe. Devin? Okay, understanding. Um,
1: yeah, you certainly see even that word repeated. I get understanding or I understand more. Anything else? Do You notice his use of... Comparisons in verses 98 through 100. Wiser than my enemies. More insight than all my teachers. I understand more than the aged. So he is comparing the wisdom that he has, not native to himself, but he has it because of God's word And I do think you see the wisdom and the understanding that he has that is greater. So if you had a theme here of his greater wisdom through the word, that would be part of what uh, is, is being emphasized here. When someone says, oh, how I love your law, or verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste? They're they're telling you something without giving you an exact
0: uh, measurement.
1: Um, we actually have a comparison in verse 103 because he says, how sweet are your words? He says, sweeter than honey. So he does give us a comparison, but he's not telling us how sweet honey is. He's just saying the word of God is sweeter than this as far as its taste to my mouth. And that's one way that sometimes we're drawn in to what the scripture is talking about when someone says how great something is without stating it in terms of a measurement. So that's how he begins here. As he expresses his love for God's law, he said, oh, how I love your law. Now, he does give, in a sense, a Uh, an indication of that or a proof of that and that is what how does he prove that he loves god's law now it's more than this but it is in part this in the rest of verse 97
0: what proves that he loves god's law all right he's
1: meditating on it and how often all day long okay all the day If you said to the Lord, oh, how I love your law, it is my meditation once a day. What does that tell you? It doesn't really express the same kind of love. But when someone is thinking about something all day long, they're thinking about perhaps the person that they love all day long. It tells you the ardent clinging kind of attachment and that word love means to have great affection for or attachment to and what does he love he loves God's law which is his word if David as the writer by this point in his life which it seems he may have has already taken God's law And he has certainly, if he's meditating on it, there's that aspect to it. But he may have been one of the kings who actually obeyed the law of the king, which was to take the word of God, to take the law of God, and write out a copy for himself. Um, We're not told that he specifically did that, but in Deuteronomy, it is uh, commanded of kings that they were to take God's law and write it out. And so for him to have it as his meditation all day long, could mean that he was gravitating towards it because he had read it or had it read to him and was thinking about it. It very well could be that he himself had invested that time and he was meditating on it because he literally was in it. And uh, just by way of an application, I do believe that one way to meditate on God's law is to write it out, to just write it out. If you're reading the Bible and you don't know what to write about what you're reading, if you have a pen in your hand, you can just copy the words and let those words, as they flow out of your pen, be the object of your meditation. As I was uh, taking notes, Pastor John was preaching recently, I decided to write out the passage that he was preaching on. And as I was looking at it in my Bible, it didn't look very big. Uh But as I'm writing it out, I'm realizing there's a lot in this passage and enjoyed uh, listening to his teaching on it. But that's one way that you can do it either as you're listening to write out the words that are being talked about, or then, of course, writing them as you read them yourself. God's law, God's commandments. David, in his experience, had exposure to Samuel, who, of course, wrote some. Of the scriptures, but when David lived and when David reigned, what was the word of God? It was the law of God, it was Moses and what Moses wrote. And Moses, of course, wrote the story of Genesis and Exodus, but a lot of what Moses wrote was the commands of God, whether it was the commands for the priests or the commands for the nation, the commands for the sacrifices. And that's what he's talking about loving. Oh, how I love your instruction, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. Now, we have, by God's grace, even more scripture. Samuel has written, and the prophets have written, and we have the Psalms, and we have the Proverbs, what Solomon wrote. We have the Old Testament, we have the Gospels, we have the New Testament, we have all the epistles, we have Revelation, which is a combination of prophecy and epistle. And so we have so much more to meditate on. So much more of the good word of God to love, to value, to hold fast to. And I just want to encourage us again, as we've looked at Psalm 119 in the past, to invest our time, invest our energy, invest our life into getting to know the scriptures. And as you read it, The more that you read it, the more that you love it, the more that God certainly changes you. That seems to be David's testimony, even within this psalm, because David is talking not only in verse 97 of how much he loves God's word, but just listen to the verses in this psalm that talk about the uh, the love of Scripture. Psalm 119, verse 47, I shall delight in your commandments, which I love. I shall, verse 48, lift up my hands to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Verse 113, I hate those who are double-minded, but I love your law. Verse 119, you've removed all the wicked of the earth like dross, therefore I love your testimonies. 127, therefore I love your commandments above gold, yes, above fine gold. 132, turn to me and be gracious to me after your manner with those who love and there it is, your name. It's not the word of God in that verse, but it's the name of God, which is connected certainly with his word because he spoke his word and his name refers to him. But Verse 140, your word is very pure, therefore your servant loves it. 159, consider how I love your precepts. Revive me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. 163, I hate and despise falsehood, but I love your law. Those who love your law, verse 165, have great peace or abundant peace, and nothing causes them to stumble. And then the last one, verse 167 my soul keeps your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. So, this is a testimony of someone who loved God's law and invested his time, his energy, and effort into knowing it. Spurgeon said his morning prayer his noonday thought and his evening song were all out of holy scripture. I just ask you are you meditating on God's word and do you love God's word? Do you know there's a blessing for those who do? Not only as he said those who love your law have great peace or abundant peace nothing causes them to stumble but turn if you would back to Psalm 1 remember these promises In Psalm 1, of the prosperity or the soul prosperity of those who meditate in God's law. Psalm 1, David writes, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. So there's the promise.
0: And it's really waiting there for
1: us. And may the Lord help us to pursue God and really, it's as we show attention to the word of God, we're actually showing God attention because God is the one who speaks through his word. This is our way to relate to God, this is our way to know God. And I think you have to ask the question if it's not that in your life, if it's not the word of God in your life, what is it? Something's occupying
0: your attention. Something
1: is influencing your heart if it's not the word of god i think we have to ask the question what is our meditation all the day and if it's not god's word we need to get back to the place where we're really fellowshipping with god and meditating on god now if you turn back to psalm 19 and look at verse 98 i believe that in verses 98, 99, and 100, he's giving some of the reasons why he loves God's word. He loves God's word for many reasons, but in the psalm, the reasons that he gives have to do with the wisdom that he obtains, the insight that he obtains, the understanding that he obtains from the word of God. So there's three comparisons here. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. Verse 99, I have more insight than all my teachers. Verse 100, I understand more than the aged. Three groups, all with a certain wisdom. His enemies who were crafty and powerful and cunning and who would have put all of their powers into trying to defeat David. And David's testimony is that God's commandments made him wiser than his enemies. You remember when Absalom, his son, rebelled against him, and David had to leave Jerusalem. And David learned that his wisest advisor had joined with Absalom.
0: Ahithophel. Imagine that.
1: Someone who had been involved at the most intimate level in your discussions of your kingdom, and then suddenly that person is with your enemy. He knows the counsels of David's heart. He had given him counsel. He had given him guidance and wisdom, and his words were regarded almost as the word of God because he was so wise. But now that same person is false. He sided with your enemy. What do you do? What did David do? Remember what David did? The wisdom that the Lord gave him in those moments in one way is very simple, but it was an effective tool that Ahithophel wasn't using. Because Ahithophel was with the enemy. He was with Absalom. His heart was
0: false. David prayed.
1: David turned to prayer and exercised wisdom by turning to the Lord in the midst of that circumstance. Where did David learn to do that? Well, certainly the Lord commands his people to seek him, and that would include prayer. But David had seen if he had read the scriptures, and his testimony here implies that he has, he knew that Abraham had sought God through prayer, that Jacob had had sought God through prayer, that Moses had sought God through prayer. No doubt he had seen Samuel seek God through prayer, and David prayed. He prayed a very specific prayer. And God heard that prayer. So even when his wisest counselor had turned against him, he had the wisdom to be able to defeat what was now his enemy because of the word of God, because of God. And notice that in verse 98, as he continues, he says, your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, and there's a difference in translation here. It says, for they are ever mine, or it could be they are ever with me. Uh, The Greek translation of the Old Testament in this verse says that it is the word of God is with me unto the ages. And literally in the original language, it's forever. It is with me. God's word is forever with me. So even if my trusted counselor, the one who gives guidance and wisdom, is gone, God's word isn't gone. And he is wiser than any of the counselors I might have on earth. So I just want to encourage you. You have a counselor who is always with you. If you have the word of God, it doesn't ever have to leave. It always gives good guidance. How do you respond when someone acts as your adversary? How do you handle that? Well, God's word gives us a guide. Even when David was faced with Saul and even when Saul was chasing after him, remember that David in the wilderness is still trying to obey God, still fixed on the fact that Saul was the Lord's anointed and As he acted in response to Saul's chasing him, he continued to profess loyalty, continued to regard God's anointed and act in wise ways so that he not only secured the the, the followership, you might say, of his men, but when he became king, they understood how to treat the Lord's anointed because he also was the Lord's anointed. So the Lord gave David wisdom he was wiser than his enemies, wiser than Saul, because he was following the word of God. The word of God, of course, was with him. Notice verse 99. In addition to being wiser than his enemies, says, I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. So he's given a reason as to why he loves the law of God because God's commandments make him wiser than his enemies. Now he says, I have more insight than all my teachers. Insight is just a dictionary definition, the power act of seeing into a situation, understanding it. Insight comes through study and observation. Teachers you could say, are born with the same amount of insight as anyone else. They may have, because of God's gifting, a tendency to try to understand things, and then once they do, then to communicate. And as they communicate and understand, they seek to, sometimes they get questions, and they seek to understand more and more, and so their their insight is based in part upon experience. We don't know who David's teachers were, David says here implies or indicates that he has some. He thought about David's teachers in his life, certainly his father, his mother, his brothers may have instructed him on what it meant to be a shepherd on the hillside. But as you see David growing and maturing as a man and spending time in the military, he may have had military teachers who taught him uh, Obviously, when he fought Goliath, all he'd had was his own experience of killing a lion and a bear. But as time went along, certainly he had others who instructed him. And even Samuel would be an advisor or an instructor. Uh, There was a time when David was running from Saul, and he found refuge with Samuel. And Samuel knew that Saul was after David, and so they went together to a place. And it was just Samuel and David for a period of time. So Samuel, this wise, godly prophet, was one of David's teachers. And yet David says here, notice what he says, I have more insight than all my teachers. Uh, Whether Samuel or anyone else he had in the past, whether his parents or whatever, and why is that? Why could he say that? And this is, you might say, well, this sounds like boasting, but he's actually boasting in God and in God's word because it's God and his testimonies that are teaching him. God is his teacher. Why does he have greater understanding or insight than all of his teachers? It's because God's testimonies are his meditation. Christopher Ash In a little book called Bible Delight, Heartbeat of the Word of God, it's just on Psalm 119. He says, if the source of my teacher's teaching is my teacher's wisdom, then I, as his pupil, will never get beyond him. But if God is my teacher, which is what happens when the Bible is taught, then I may well get beyond my human teacher. Who was David's greatest teacher? It was God himself jesus remember taught his disciples that they had one teacher one master they were to call no man father they were not to call someone rabbi and look to that person other than of course jesus himself as their teacher god is their teacher and i would just ask you tonight who is your teacher Are you being taught of God? Are you looking to God to teach you and give you instruction? And if you have a teacher who thinks that they somehow knows more than God, you obviously need to stop listening to that teacher. If someone is teaching you contrary to what God has said, you obviously need to have discernment based upon the word of God, because God is truly the one who teaches the truth. And uh, just by way of application, what do you pray when you spend time in the Bible? Do you talk
0: to God before you look into God's word? Do you
1: utter a prayer when you open up pages of scripture? I just want to encourage you to pray to the Lord and say, Lord, teach me. He's the author of scripture. If he has given you life, he has given you the words of life, and you believe those, and you've become his child, and he is your father. Father, teach me. He's the best teacher. And we have the privilege of coming to the word of God and being taught by God himself, his spirit within, his words given to us, and we can learn from the best teacher ever. Look at verse 100. In addition to His enemies, in addition to his teachers, he actually says, I understand more than the aged. Job 12, verse 12 says, wisdom is with aged men and with long life is understanding. One of the speakers in Job says, as he withheld his speech for a long time, listening to the other speakers who were talking to Job, he said, I thought age should speak. He didn't speak for the longest time because he was listening to those who were older and wiser. He said, and increased years should teach wisdom. But at a certain point, he realized he needed to speak up because what was being said was not wisdom. Why do the aged have wisdom? Because of their experience in life. They've seen more, heard more, experienced more, done more. They've learned by virtue of their years of observation, both of themselves and others. They've been around a long time. They probably know a good bit. But David says, I have greater understanding than even them. He had wisdom beyond his years. There was a wisdom that he had acquired that was greater than the years of his existence. And why is it? Notice in verse 100, it's not because he's meditating. It's not because they're just simply with him as his counselors, but in verse 100, it's because he's obeyed. The word "observe" there can refer to something we just look at with our eyes, but in the sense of what David is saying here, it's actually because he's kept God's precepts. God is guiding him, certainly by the word, but David is obeying the word. He's keeping what God has said. So what is he saying? He's saying that the keeping or the observing of God's commands is also part of wisdom, right? Wisdom doesn't just come from knowing something. Wisdom comes by living it out. Wisdom, someone defined as skill in living life God's way or skill in living. And you could certainly say that knowing God Uh, God's commands is good, but knowing them and doing them is better. That's the way to truly have wisdom, display wisdom. James chapter one, verse 22, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he's immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But and this is a beautiful verse. One who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, lives by it, acts according to it. It's not just somebody who knows the word of God, it's someone who's living it out. That James says, This man. Will be blessed in what he does. In fact, he adds another phrase. He says, "Not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does." And when Joshua was given direction to go into the law, or to go into the land rather, and he was given the law, what did what was he told by the Lord? "This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that that you may observe to do according to what is written in it." because then you'll make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. It's not simply because you know, it's because you're living it out. God blesses when we obey. So David here is giving us, and I think as we meditate on this psalm, it's enough for us to think about tonight of the wisdom that God gives through his word. Do you love God's word? Are you increasing in your wisdom because of your meditation on it, its presence with you, and because you're putting it into practice in your life? As we walk in the Christian life, we have a guide. It's our guide for life. It's certainly our guide to eternal life, but it's also our guide to what we will encounter in this life. When we looked at Stephen's life this morning briefly, we learned really to a certain extent what it means to be persecuted and to be filled by the spirit of God and to be in a context. You and I may never actually find ourselves in that, but that's in there. And there are people in history who've had to face that kind of persecution. Whether it's that or anything else in between, God's given us the wisdom. But we've got to follow it. We often, don't we, get our eyes fixed on other things and we wander off the path. We walk out of the way and then we find ourselves hurting for it. Like many times Pilgrim did in the Pilgrim's Progress as he knew the right way. He had the map to go the right way. But then he sees this way that it seems good. It seems like he could... Get further if he just took this path, but what he found in that path of disobedience, that forbidden path as it's called, he found heartache. And that's what happens when we get off the way. May the Lord help us to walk in God's ways and to have the wisdom that comes through his word. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we pray, even as we've gathered tonight to meditate upon your word, that we would indeed think upon it. That we would see the blessing, Lord, of the wisdom
0: that you have given. And that we
1: would put it into practice in our lives. We pray that you'd help us to obey. And whether that has to do with our relationship with you. Our turning away from sin. Our turning into the path of righteousness. Our relationship to others. Our relationship in the workplace. our Whatever it may be, Lord, help us to follow the wisdom of your word, and we pray that we might see the blessing in our lives as a result, and really the fellowship with you that comes when we obey. And Lord, I do pray if there's someone even here tonight who's not walking in the way, they're not reading your word, they're not seeking you, and life has become more of a ritual and a doing of things, but there is no real heart affection or close fellowship with you. Lord, I pray even tonight that you'd work in their heart to bring them back to the place where they see the great blessing there is the sweetness of the word of God and pray Lord that by your word, you'd bring them back to a place where they could say with exclamation. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Give each of us
0: grace. We pray in Jesus name. Amen.